What is up, everyone, and welcome to a very special 176th episode of the Comic Bookies podcast. Before we get started, this episode is brought to you by Treasure Island Comics in Fremont, California, Wednesday. February 1st, 2023 is New Comic Book Day, so wherever you go to get your comic books, go and get them. Especially at Treasure Island, Alex is open Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. Now, this man has been on our show three times already. I'm very, very excited. Myself and Mark are very excited. This man loves talking hoop. Might not like talking about, you know, football and other things, but you know what? We're going to get into it anyways. Um, he is a, uh, a sheer joy to have on. Um, 2022 was a roller coaster year for him, and he is here to talk about it. He is from Source Point Press. He is here to talk about the special edition of our one of our favorite books out there, Parallel. Um, special edition expands upon Landon's story with 50 bonus pages of exciting content, galleries, annotations, and a brand new Between the Panels 10-page story exclusive to this edition so go and right now pre-order that in your previews right now he's also here to talk about jane american his new project right now but mr jason douglas so happy to have you on for a fourth time record here you you've heard it here first record fourth time how are you sir i'm doing well thank you very much for having me gentlemen it's always good to be on it's always good to see you this is this is the this is my fourth uh, ring i'm i'm now tied with your beloved warriors right Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I feel good about that. Uh, and let's, uh, let's, you know, we're going to talk Jane American today, the Kickstarter in May. I'll come on a fifth time, and hopefully by then we're thinking about a fifth ring, too. That's right. You're going to start collecting episodes like like Thanos collects these Infinity Stones for sure. Mark, what's up, brother? What's up? What's up, man? How are you, JD? I'm glad to see your face again. It's been a while, but like you said, it's been it's a fourth time now, and I'm just excited to hear what you got going on, how life's been treating you coming out of this pandemic here, and just uh, yeah, just excited to get into some of your projects and some NBA talk. We know how much you love your Detroit Pistons on this show, so yeah, man, just uh, I got, I'm actually questioning now because I meant you heard you mentioned Kickstarter, so now I'm kind of questioning my background here because well, I mean you're. You're still good with Source Point Press and everything. Yeah, yeah your okay. background is valid. Your background is valid. It's just time to uh, it's time to make a comic in the 21st century, and uh, <laughs> right. the way it is done is by crowdfunding it first, and then and then getting it to your publisher after that. So I have to I have to do it the the, the very much the normal mortal way this time, not the uh, bizarre story and the atypical way that Parallel first got out in the world that we talked about uh, a couple of years ago. Man, and man, the 21st century, you're right. And the way that they're going about it now with um, with Kickstarter and everything, we actually had a guest, if you remember, Mr. Uh, what was his name? Mike, um, the one that he had real good success with uh, uh, Calgo. What's his name? Frank Gogol. Not Frank Gogol. Um, I forgot, but he had real good success with um, the one that we were like trying to pronounce his name. We were, what is it? Um, Cal something. I can't remember you remember it. I can't remember. I'm doing bad right now. But anyway, he had real fast success with Kickstarter. He had like moved from the East Coast to L.A. and he was doing it down there. I'd have to get his um, Curtis, Curtis, um, Curtis yeah. Clowell. Clowell. Yeah. Right. Curtis yeah. Clowell. Curtis Clowell. There we go. Sorry. Yeah, Sorry, right. Curtis. But yeah, he had real good success with um, Kickstarter real fast. So we're hoping uh, the Comic Bookies podcast and everyone hoping the best for you as well. And hopefully you can have just as fast a success as well. Thank you. So, all right, Jason, let's talk about it. So we've had you on numerous times to talk about the 
Ringo Award nominated story parallel. We have, yeah. I think, I, I think, collected me, Mark, and Sean. No one has our collection, right? We have the first, you know, the first printing of parallel. We uh-huh. have a copy of the first printing signed by yourself, and then yep. we have the one of one. This absolutely, um, oh my god, I, I didn't want to touch it. Oh, this is just absolutely amazing. Um, so. It'd be nice if you can take it out of the plastic, asshole, so people I can't. can actually see it. I can't. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to put any any fingerprints on it. Absolutely not. All I saw was a bunch of glare, like my glasses on this screen right now, but it's all right. Well, you know what? You and thankful for all the YouTube viewers out there. That's all you're going to get because I'm not taking that damn book out of the <laughs> out of the plastic. Check our um, Instagram. Go back on the feed. You guys will see it. It's beautiful. I know, right? I'm glad. Um, <laughs> Jason, I'm I'm so excited for you in this book because it's had so much success in the past. So please just kind of expand on what we can expect uh, when this book comes out in a few in a few months, in a month or two, right? When's yeah, it coming out? So so special edition is in previews right now, right? right. Uh, and it, it it's taking uh, that original story that 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 we we've done on the show before and and the weird way that it sold out, you know, 18 months after it dropped kind of right in the pandemic and flopped on release. And then the the whole kind of atypical way I, you know, went on 75 interviews and went on your show three times and it slowly caught fire and word spread and it sold out and then got the two Ringo nominations, which kind of spurred SourcePoint to be like, you know what, this probably deserves a special edition. And then they kind of gave me um, a lot of autonomy to put together a special edition, to put together the bonus pages, to put together all the content. And I took it really seriously. And um, listen, if you're anything like me, you, you love back matter. You love bonus stuff like like the concept of a of a I don't know, a, a director's cut or a special edition or an expanded edition. I love that. But if you're a comic book fan, you know, you've bought that trade where you get to that back matter. And let's be honest with each other. It's sometimes just fluff to pad out the page count. And that's something that, like, I mean, you and I have talked before about, like, bang for your buck, especially in indie comics, is really, really important and was, like, always on my mind just creating the original story. So finding out and deciding what those 50 pages were going to be, like, I took it really seriously, you know? And, and like, there's an afterword that's that's in my voice that very much tells the tale of, of how we got to point A to point B to the bizarre point Z. Um, the annotated script pages and the annotated... Uh, uh, concept art and stuff like that. Um, it's not just your typical, oh, this is from this page or this is from this part of the book and that kind of thing, just the kind of the technical details. Like I had to edit myself and like take chunks out because I was just writing too much because it was, it's more like the story behind the pages. There's like this one part with the script pages where, yeah, yeah, I tell you what this scene is and why it was important, but I'm also telling you about like the bizarre circumstances in which I wrote that scene, right? Like I'm literally on a date with my wife at this street fair and she ducks into a shop and I get hit like lightning bolt with this idea for this one particular scene. And I'm literally sitting on a street corner, pulling paper out of my back pocket with a pen as like these dudes in the street are playing bago, you know, playing cornhole and the beanbags are whipping (laughs) past my head and I'm like scribbling it down. And that's the kind of story that you're getting from that. There's a really cool cover gallery with all those wicked covers that we almost just saw on YouTube, but instead just saw some glare. Um, and then, and then my fifth, <laughs> we've guilted him into it, dude. He's gonna, he's gonna pull it out. He's gonna come and show it. 
fine. You know, what? It's, you know it, it's still it's still in the plastic bag. So okay. not only is it it was in like a hard case, but it's also in a plastic. So let's see if we could see it for the YouTubers right now. Let's see if we could see. Oh, it's more here. Oh, the Donnie Darko skull variant. And you've got the one of one, which is the hand drawn by Esteban himself getting the microphone on there. Yeah, only one of those in the world. So there's the cover gallery. And then my favorite part of the bonus material is what you mentioned in the open, um, a, a bonus 10-page story that dives back into the world of parallel exclusive this edition. And I don't know if I'm coining a phrase or not, but I'm like calling it a between the panel story because the right. inspiration from it came from like my beloved Marvel comics of the eighties, where the footnotes, the editor footnotes were like rampant, right? Where like literally <laughs> you get a footnote that says this major cross, like secret wars took place between panels seven and eight of this book. And you're like, what? They didn't even change expression. How can there be this whole thing? Mm -hmm. So what you're literally doing in this 10 page story is um, between this scene and that scene in the original story, between this page and that page, we zoom out, and we get these two-page vignettes that 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 go back with Landon and go back with Claire, and uh, and, and you get a little more de development character-wise, and like what happened between this scene and that scene that led to it, and it just enriches the whole thing. And it, you know, if you love the book as much as some people did, it allows you to spend some more time and get a little more depth with some of these characters you end up caring about, and uh, it's kind of like a cool story to tell. Because I don't know if we ever talked about this on your show or not, but like as things were developing and the and the book started to catch on, one of the most common questions I got was, you know, is there is there a part two coming? Is there more story to tell? And I was always very adamant that no. I mean, that if you've read it, you know what we're talking about. If you haven't. That last page, you know, the splash at the end that has that ambiguity of what exactly you know, it says something about you. If you think this happened to Landon, if it went this way or if it got really dark and went that way. And to go beyond that, I really kind of felt strongly that like it takes too much, uh, too much autonomy out of the reader's hands. You know, it's, it's your decision about what right. happened to him next or doesn't happen to him next. It's not my job to take that away from you and tell you how it goes. But this allowed me to tell more parallel story without going past that last page and going actually diving back into the story as it was and expanding upon it. Now, you kind of answered my question that I was about to ask, because I kind of thought of it as you were you know, talking about your inspiration for the in-betweens, right? Yeah. Um, I can kind of compare it to it's something completely different, but there's, you know, if you've seen the movie Zootopia, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Disney movie Zootopia, they of have course, yeah. they have uh, like a new show. I forgot what I think it might just be Zootopia, like the shorts or whatever. And there's like six yeah. or seven shorts that they've released now. It's new content and it's like in between. Right. So it's like when the little um, I forgot what they're called, like little mole rats or whatever, when the girl is going to get crushed by the huge donut, they have a story that leads up to that. So it's in between the pages and the panels of Zootopia, the movie, but it's completely expanded. Have you ever did you ever think to maybe release us not a part two, but something that's separate? Because you said that you sometimes you had to stop and, and delete some things. Do you think that you ever wanted to do something like that where it's a completely different story, but it's within the pages from one to 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 the end of well, parallel? That's, that's kind of what this is on a small scale, right? right? And that's really what this is. In fact, it's funny that you said that and you remember that because like I would say, you know, it's, it's this 10 pages and like these two page vignettes and it, it and it progresses 
um, but it also fills in little gaps. But two of them in particular come from that exact thing that you talked about. Um, a scene here that in the original script was just a little extended and, and Bob Sally, Bob Sally edited it back just because of pacing reasons. And here you get to kind of expand upon that because I thought it was an important point. Um, something that popped up uh, I was a show a couple of weeks ago, and it was a much better analogy than the thing that I gave, which is the the editor's footnotes. It reminds me a lot. And I don't know if you're familiar with this, but like the first 36 issues or 35 issues of classic X-Men in the early mm -hmm. 90s mm -hmm. had a backup story, a brand new backup story on every single issue that was literally in continuity. But you didn't see it in that original 70s into the 80s run uh, uh, of Claremont. And it's like, it's like, oh, and this is kind of what happened after that issue before the next one started. And it's like a quieter moment between Wolverine and a tree, you know, or whatever. And right. that's kind of what this is doing. So it's it's literally enriching the story without, you know, derailing the pace or anything of that of the original of the original book. OK, um, now I'm going to say I think this is the first time we've had you live. So one of the joys of being live, we actually have um, some questions. So oh, cool. I actually have just one right now. Um, uh, the username is three blood rubies. Thank you so much for the question. This question is for Jason. Uh, is the regular edition of Parallel still in print or is it the only the special edition now? I haven't gotten into his works yet. I know him as my fourth grade teacher 12 years ago. <laughs> oh, I'm so old. Um, so, so the original run of the book is sold out, right? And in right. fact, uh, it sold out in such a bizarre fashion. I don't know. I don't know if we got to talk about this, but when I was in Baltimore, um, selling out, uh, uh, an exclusive run there, the, uh, a con edition of it. And then That's um, right. doing, the, doing the award show, I'm doing my very first panel at a con and, and uh, editor in chief at the time of source point, Travis McIntyre is in the, in the panel with me. And he's like, so I don't know if you know this yet, but um, you know when you did all those interviews and 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 the book started to catch on, we ended they ended up going and buying back copies from stores to meet the online demand of it. And then oh, like wow. yeah, the, those those original ones are gone. You can find them every once in a while here or there, but they right. this is I mean it's a special edition. You can also call it in some ways a second print or whatever, but this is the way to get it now. Right. Uh three blood rubies. I have one right here you can buy, but I'm selling it for a thousand dollars. So totally been one of the weird fanboy things that has happened. You know, like along this weird long journey, there's all these different things where you're like the 12 year old in me, speaking of 12 years ago, fourth grade and stuff, but the 12 year old in me, the 10 year old in me is like just like, like yay, I can't believe this is happening, you know? Um and one of those was even though it doesn't benefit my publisher financially and it certainly doesn't benefit me financially but like when you find something online like in, in the secondary market of yours and like it's maybe going for a price that makes you a little embarrassed but it's still wild like like um i, I have no idea how a one of one would go but like those do you remember the 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 virgin foil variants of that book there was only, a, you know, like a hundred of those out there or whatever. There right. was a point where I was looking online. I saw one on eBay and somebody had bought it for like 150 bucks, which is just insane. You know, Very cool. um, I, it, 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 I can't wrap my head around that sometimes knowing that I've been I've been a comic book fan exponentially longer than I've been a creator. So like that kind of stuff still blows me away. And 
it'd be nice to get um, the original print, but man, this special edition cover, I think, by Lix Lion is badass here, man. I'm looking at so, it. It's so, really cool. So I love it. It it might be it might be my favorite cover right now. It is Dude, so that neon that neon pop, pink that pop. neon. I I I I posted it on IG and I just put Stranger Things behind it because it just it's it's got that <laughs> there you go. mid to late 80s vibe to it and you know thematically it's really nice. I love love that cover. Yeah yeah, Lex Lyon uh, uh, blew it out of the water with that. She's amazing. With the with the Ringo nominee little badge on the bottom left corner. Yeah, not let, bad, let it right? be known. It's a beautiful I like, cover. I like that they left it there, and it says, you know, Ringo nominee, and it does yep. not mention how I lost both awards to the guy who writes Batman. It doesn't mention <laughs> that at all, which is really nice of them to to leave that off of the cover. But it's still a slight, but it's still a slight flex. I love it. And it's gonna yeah, be bad. it's gonna be a surprise for us also because you know obviously we read before we ever interviewed you we got it and you know this is like the new the new pages that you have in between it's gonna be new for all for all three of us that are gonna be yeah. reading it as well so we're with the fans and um, we're just uh, it's all gonna be new to all of us we don't have no sneak peek uh, this time so right excited. Yep. <laughs> and we also we have four on order, by the way, one for each of us, and we have one to give away. So maybe if you want to be a part of that giveaway, we'd love to have you on again. But, yeah, just let you know, we we, we got four coming in when it comes out. 100 percent. That would be awesome. Yeah. Nice. All right. Cool. So from parallel to, um, you know, the better part of the three episodes you've been on before have been your your book parallel. Now mm-hmm. let's shift gears. Talk about Jane American. Like we're super – I mean we've had – let's see, Mark, what, five, four or five different comic book writers who've had their stuff and been promoting them on Kickstarter. We go on there. You know, we go – you know, I think – what's his name? Um, name Curtis forgets me. Clow. You know, yeah, Curtis Clow, <laughs> yeah, but uh, – no, yes, no, yeah, no. I feel so bad for the guy. He was no. – dude, he gave us a really good story. Remember, we were impressed. We're like, dang, because he, he actually owned up to it. He was like – you know, he was said he's like, I know it's kind of hard sometimes to like make it in this industry. You don't you remember the conversation? You can look back when we enter in. I don't know what probably what 120s, 110s or something. But man, he, he right. it was, I was pretty impressed because I even asked him. It seemed like sometimes it's like we get a lot of guests and it's like it's hard. It's a struggle. And he said mm-hmm. once he kind of moved to L.A. and like hooked up with the right people that it kind of just hit for him. So it was pretty yeah. cool. But yeah, yeah, I was I was thinking more on on uh, Victor Dandridge. Oh, um, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and his kindergartens. It's kind of a story. It's a Kickstarter. It's a story that um, it's like the the daughters and sons of all the superheroes right so it's you know obviously it's not gonna be batman superman they don't have obviously the rights to do that but it's stories surrounding them and it's so cool to go on their kickstarter to see that they've already been fully funded at you know a week into it and in the, the different you know levels of you know if you gift them this then they'll give you so many back so i can't wait to get his book i can't wait to you know support your book and get a few in maybe even another extra one again for a giveaway like so please jane american Fire away! I like promote the hell out of this thing. I, I'm I'm thoroughly excited. So we'll 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 talk about how this is all kind of happening out of order. I think in a little bit because the original plan was to actually do this Kickstarter back in August, and then um, uh, a big topic that we're going to talk about fairly soon kind of right. life got away instead. So we kind of reversed the order just because you know some of the material for special edition already existed, and I had done a lot of curating on that already. Um, and and 
you know, running a Kickstarter, especially your first, right? It's it's a terrifying and a really time-consuming process. So my first Kickstarter for my next project will be in May. And Jane American is um, similar to Parallel in the fact that it is a story near and dear to my heart. It's a story that's very personal to me. Uh, the difference with this one is, you know, this is not a, a dark sci-fi twisted tale uh, that is, uh, you know, forgive me for using the term, but paralleling my own midlife crisis of, of time passing the existential dread and, and, and funneling it into Landon having his quarter life crisis. This is a very personal story to me because it is um, it's a period piece. It's uh, 1946 small town uh, Plymouth, Michigan which um and it, it's very important to me because it's it's kind of um it's inspired by my late grandmother and some of the struggles that she went through with identity around the same time though she was a little bit older at that time and we've got a 15 year old female protagonist jane who's kind of living in that post-war era where uh the rosie the rivers have been sent home right and the troops are back and women are back in their place and back in their role and she's in a family situation where she needs to help put bread on the table and she can do things and she is capable of things that aren't really accepted in society. And it's 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 personal to me in, in that respect. It's very much dedicated, though, to all of the students who have passed through my classroom the last 20 plus years, especially the young women and the non-binary humans who, you know, even in the 21st century are having a hard time expressing and being who they are when society says that's not okay you extrapolate that back to 1946 when those strictures are even more intense and you can kind of feel the tension in our characters as they try to express who they are i'm trying not to give away too much because and i think probably when we talked about it in its more infant stages before i gave away more the difference here is this kickstarter we're talking about a 32 page one shot that ends on look uh, if I've got any skills with a cliffhanger, <laughs> the last panel of this 32-page one-shot is what's going to make you, absolutely force you to go, oh, I need the next part of the story. Um, I'll give you this hint. Um, it's similar to Parallel in the fact that Parallel is a story that I told that while is about those darker themes of dreams deferred, time passing and the existential dread and anxiety that comes with that happening and then but it's all wrapped in that dark sci-fi twisted tale of landon's other coming and offering him that second chance jane american is really about at its core those universal themes of identity and race and gender and self-worth and expressing who you are the comic book nerd wrapping paper i put it in um, i'm not going to give away but it's a tried and true one throughout the last 90 years of comic books. And it's one that is near and dear to my heart, um, some of the things that she can do. And it's just, uh, there's, I got to do all kinds of wild research for this. And I'm so excited because it's, it's, you know, it's very much 1946, but a lot of flashbacks to the World War II era. Uh, it takes place, a lot of it in an actual, it was a, it was a, a shop called Wall, Wall Wire. That's a real place in Plymouth that my great grandfather worked in during the war years. Um, got a tour of it literally the week before they segmented and tore it down. My um, about to be 99 year old grandfather and I got a tour of it and the original fixtures and stuff. And this is a place where during the war they got a war contract to make Marsden mats, which are the long kind of corrugated pieces of metal that you make the temporary runways for in Europe and the Pacific. And, um, you know, Rosie's worked it during the war. And then the troops came back and, and Plymouth was one of two shops in the entire country 
that held on to that contract. They're in some place in Alabama to to kind of um, feed the need for Mars and Max for the Berlin airlift. So there's a lot of history in it too, local history, family history. I named a lot of characters after like family members' names. So they're like really th- thrilled about that. I got to show my, again, a week away from being 99 years old, my grandfather, I got to show him pages of art that'll be like the teaser pages on um, on the Kickstarter. And I shared with him a copy for himself. I printed out a copy of the 32 page script and, you know, the, the, this this almost 100 year old man who who fought in World War Two like had tears in his eyes because you know it's it's the main character's named after his his high school sweetheart you know and and there's a couple of characters that share part of his name and his parents' names and stuff like that so you know I'm terrified because I've never done a Kickstarter before I'm super excited because I it's it's a story that is um accessible to a much wider range right like i don't have to put like a 17 plus stamp on this one this is like like when, when this story gets told um this is the kind of thing when like the the 120 page graphic novel which is like the next step of it after the kickstarter uh is out in the world this is the kind of thing that's going to be hopefully in school libraries as well as you know out in the world and um to get to share that with him and everybody uh really really means a lot to me that's awesome, brother. Man, first of all, thank you for your grandpa for serving for our country, Absolutely. number one. Yeah. Uh, no, number two, I'd say, man, we're going to try to help you as much as we can as a podcast, as, you know, maybe like get some help with our sponsor, uh, Treasure Island Comics, you know, to try to help you and whatnot. But man, dude, it's just, I think that's awesome. And when you were actually talking and building up to kind of giving a little, uh, you know a little bit of the story without giving too much away i can see how you were getting giddy and whatnot and man yeah. it explained it explained it all because the one thing that you know a lot of people say about writing books and and you know it it like kind of leaves it's one way to leave your legacy behind like one day we're all perish but you know if you've ever been uh you know what you already have and now but this one is going to be so much even near and dear to your heart because you're not just leaving a legacy behind for yourself, but it's more for like the ones that like got you here, right? And your grandparents and the and and just you know Plymouth and Michigan and just your whole story and life, and that's like kind of like a little legacy piece that you're writing for you know for, for your family, and that's just awesome to hear, dude. And I'm just so proud that you were able to share it with us and our fans and I just am very excited to help you support it and to be able to read it as well. So congratulations to you, brother, for real. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Now it, it being so near and dear to your heart in Plymouth, actually one of the commenters actually kind of sparked a question, right? So you said that you want it to be in libraries and schools. Mm-hmm. It being set in Plymouth, is there images of Plymouth maybe in, I don't know how, how many years it spans, but is there images of the actual city of Plymouth? So that way, especially people who are local, right? Oh, and they, they, they get these in libraries or in schools or whatever. They go like, oh my God, like that's where I live. The, the, the reference, like the, the amount of research I did in preparation for, for, for the book, it, it, it's pretty extensive. Like it's a, it was a very different research process than parallel. Like parallel was because parallel is more or less contemporary. Right. Um, and there's a little because it takes place in Chicago. So there's a little street reference and a few buildings and things like that. But like most of my research for Parallel was getting 
getting the professions right and getting the words right. So like every single line that has something medical going on, like when Landon gets hit by the bus in the beginning and when he's in his coma. And I mean, that was like literally talking to my cousin on the phone several times. Who's a, who's a doctor in Boston and saying, what, you know, what would the paramedics say here? What's the drug they're pushing into here? What would the doctor say here about the coma and like that kind of stuff. And, and talking to my old college roommate who is a police officer now about what would a detective say under this circumstances. It was that kind of thing. This was so much more historical research, right? Like I went to, I went to the archives in the museum in Plymouth to find, you know, reference photos to this and that. And obviously I went to the real place and I took a lot of film um, and a lot of pictures of like the original fixtures and the original pulley system that like carried the Mars mats from here to there and out to the train depot that kind of butts right up to the back of the factory. And, um, you'll like, like people who know architecture will see, there's this great, very emotional scene where, where Jane's dad, uh, in December, 1941 heads off to Europe, right. After, uh, after, uh, Pearl Harbor and volunteers and that goodbye takes place at the very historic and now very rundown Detroit train station. But that's a pretty like recognizable building for people in, you know, Southeastern Michigan. And that's in there. And, um, there's definitely some houses in the Plymouth, Northville, Canton area that people might recognize if you're like, you know, going down the streets and things like that. So there's a lot of things to recognize like that for sure. You know what's funny? Sometimes I'm reading comic books and like what I'm reading, I'm always thinking, I'm like, man, these comic book writers must be some very intelligent, smart individuals because they seem to know a lot about, like you said, medical terms and whatnot. So I love how you just basically let me well, know without even asking you the question. It's just so that's how they do it. I mean, comic well, book writers, yes no, it's yes not no. just like like, look, if you're not like if you're not in the medical profession. Right. Um, I probably could have written a bunch of stuff that would have fooled you. Right. I could have made up some things or looked up some things online and you wouldn't know the difference. But like my thought is, if I'm going to ask you to suspend your disbelief and get into a story about a parallel version of a guy reaching out and offering him a second chance at, at, at his poor life decisions 10 years earlier. <laughs> I am, if I'm going to ask you to suspend your disbelief for that, I'm not going to pull you out of my story by, by you're the one doctor in the office who goes, what? That's not, that's not right. Or you're <laughs> the one cop in the audience who goes, that is not what somebody would say in an investigation. You know what I mean? Or you're the one mental health professional when Landon's on the couch who goes, absolutely not wrong drug to prescribe or wrong thing she would say. I want to get all that right. And the same thing here, like, you know what? I'm a comic book nerd, but like academically growing up, I was a history nerd. Mm. And so th there's no way, there is no way I'm going to be the guy who, again, I'm going to ask you to suspend your disbelief about certain comic book tropey things that I'm wrapping Jane American in right? The, the ability for certain people to do certain things. And, and then you're going to be pulled, you're going to ask you to believe that, but then I get, you know, it's the wrong car for 1946 or, <laughs> right. or like, wait a minute, <laughs> right. wait a minute. Is that a cordless phone on their wall? Of course not. You know? So like, right. I've got this awesome file that, that, that my artist has got access to and my, my editor, Dr. Christy Blanche has got access to, and it is Full. We're talking about if you see something in their house, you know, like, like I spent hours scouring the internet for my favorite pictures of ice boxes, you know, pre-refrigerator freezing apparatus that would be in a Dang. kitchen 
1946 and 1942, but more or less from the 1930s because they're not made of money. You know what I mean? Um, I spent hours finding welding tools appropriate for the era and loved every minute of it. Because I know that most people aren't going to notice those details, but the people who are are going to appreciate the crap out of it. Because there's so many different aspects to a book visually that you're going to have hundreds of different subject matter experts pointing out the individual thing that they know the most. So you kind of have to be a faux subject matter expert when doing this research for everything for a book. So that just kind of, you know, gives you so much more credit as to the work you put in to write these books. You're never going to get it all right, but I'm going to still do my best to, to get as much of it right as I can. Yeah, it reminds me of like with that criminal sanity book, the Joker Harley. It's like some of you know the right like I think it was that Cami Garcia on that one, if I'm not mistaken. But man, it's just like I expect that type of stuff from like Tom King coming from like what his CIA background and whatnot, which you know he writes a lot of those type of detective-ish type, you know. And yeah. he, I obviously know he knows what he's talking about. But man, back to like your art, how would you how would you kind of describe the the art in this book if you don't? Or I mean, if you not by not giving too much away, but well. I will. T- I got okay. So, um, got the fifth of the five Kickstarter pages actually today, and um, and my artist, who I am not going to give away who that is quite here yet. Uh, she will make her big public debut uh, at a later date, closer to the Kickstarter thing. But uh, I have been so impressed. This is a young person that um, uh, is just knocking it out of the park for me. Perfect style. For what we're doing here, uh, the realism of the time period, um, the the emotion. There's a lot of emotion in this. There's a lot of pretty intense emotional scenes. There is. I don't know if you guys remember, but like I remember talking about this on the show. Like my favorite panel from Parallel that Adam did was that one on that kind of noirish page where um, it, it, the, the Venetian blinds and it looks like out of a noir thing and like Landon's like in the gloom and sitting in that chair. Look, it's a 32-page one-shot. It's a 120-page original graphic novel. I may have already seen my favorite panel where there's an embrace between two characters. And 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 my artist on this can pack an emotional punch. There is, like, it, it, it leapt off the page to me. Like, I felt what they were feeling uh, towards each other in that embrace, and it just blew me away. I cannot wait for the world to get a hold of of this young person and uh, and the art that she's doing. Nice. Well, we're really you know proud to have you on to you know promote this, and we can't wait till it gets released. And we're, we're like we're going to promote the hell out of it. So yeah, I'm um, going to need all the support I can get because I am I cannot wait <laughs> enough, guys. How terrified I am. You know, because like I, the unknown is the scariest thing out there. And right. and and so so technically sophomore effort, I am a veteran comic creator. And yet this is the first time I've been doing this. And, you know, Kickstarter had that brilliant idea at, at its inception of, boy, let's see if we can. You know what? It's not enough to, you know, have to have people self-fund themselves. Is there a way we could make it more intense and more stressful for creators? Oh, wait, I know. This is the pitch meeting. 
how about all or nothing? How about we do it in an all or nothing <laughs> system so that the pressure is not here. It is off the charts here. So like I'm feeling the burn already. We're still months out. So yeah, yeah. I mean, this community, right, is is the best. So right. I, I feel pretty good about it, but I'm also scared to death. Right. So any support, all support, bring it. Is, um, is this something that you wanted to just go with Kickstarter all the way? Is it something that you... Was, did you even think about pitching it to SourcePoint Press or the the plan the plan will be is is so so like I I may or may not have okay I'm gonna give you some half breaking news all right I'm not gonna say a name but I will say that maybe a couple of days ago uh, we secured a a rather impressive um, very appropriate for this book uh, uh, cover artist for the Kickstarter exclusive cover. Okay. Very cool. So the plan would be, we've got, we've got our, our five pages of art. We've got our pitch. We've got all our levels of support and um, the, the different kind of things you can get with that. And then our stretch goals. And we've got this very, very nice Kickstarter exclusive cover with this very, very nice cover artist. And, and that will be that, right? Like if you support it at this level, you're going to get your digital copy. You support it at this level, you're going to get your exclusive cover. You support it at this level, you know, maybe we'll do like five medals or something like that. And, and then you go beyond and da, 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 da. And then that'll be that. But because of my relationship with, with a publisher, you know, uh, however many months after we fulfill all that, you know, the, the hope would be, or the plan would be, it would be in previews with a new cover, you know, by, by the artist and it would go out like that. And that would be something in the world. And then we work on funding, um, the 122 page graphic novel and we'll see how we put that out in the world. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, hopefully a hey, fingers crossed that we get a chance to get it twice. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So we can't, so parallel came out. What? A couple years ago now. Yeah. Yeah. 19. So, Something like that, 1920. It was, it was before the pandemic, yeah. right? So, yeah, right into it. I mean, it was, right, that's right, right it was into it. February 20 and was in <laughs> delivered to some shops and not some other shops in April 20. So, oh, that's, like, right. <laughs> that's right. Because, that's right. Because, like I said, it flopped. I mean, it flopped hard. No, I wasn't self aware enough of how things work to know it did and wasn't self aware enough to know that you were supposed to quit and give up at that point or move on. And that's why that blissful ignorance that we've talked about before, that irrational confidence, I just went ahead and did 75 interviews over 18 months and it turned into what it turned into because I didn't know better. Right. Um, so that's why it's such a weird kind of atypical success story of what it turned into. Right. So from then until being nominated for a Ringo Award and now with this Kickstarter and yeah. a special edition of Parallel coming out, something small happened in between last year in 2022. <laughs> so yeah. – I mean, it was a from seeing your live feed that that video that you kind of announced it on Instagram mm -hmm. and then just kind of us sending messages of, of, you know, well wishes and everything. And finally having you back on the podcast now, um, please, with with any, any detail you want to, you know, oh, yeah. whether it's one percent or 100 percent, um, man, uh, first of all, congratulations on this step in the process of, of as of right now, I think I'm guessing is you're, you're cancer free as of today. Yeah. So, so, so I mean, so, I mean, I, again, I'm not the subject matter expert. I'm not the doctor. So please. Oh, neither am I. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just the guy who the doctors tell stuff to uh, listen. Th this goes for everybody, right? It, 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 it's like, 
it's like life is literally that roller coaster. It's a cliche, but it's true. There are ups and there's downs and some are bigger than others. And it's all going on at once. And like at the exact same time as like my comic journey is taking its ups and its downs. And there's this delay and this disappointment and this high and whatever. Life is doing the exact same thing. So so in that process of, of parallel on the journey that it was, you know, my my immediate family is going through some pretty big ups and downs. And and uh, my wife, within one year, my wife lost both of her parents and then my dad died suddenly as well. So like my kids lost three grand, three of their four grandparents in in like nine months of time. And summer 2022 was supposed to kind of be like our family of fives. Return normal, bounce back. We had a couple of trips planned. We were going to spend a lot of time together. There was this, there was that. And it was going to end with us coming back in August. I was going to run the Jane American Kickstarter. And and like things were like looking good and, and looking up. So instead, what happened <laughs> is I went in for uh, a non-symptomatic, a, a routine colonoscopy. Because uh, 2022 was the year that the law changed. They can't force you to get a colonoscopy, but they can tell doctors that now legally they have to recommend that you get your first one at 45 instead of 50, which was like a decades old tradition. So the year I turned 45 is the year that the law changes. And I'm a school teacher by day, so I'm a rule follower, right? And when my doctor <laughs> said, go do this unpleasant thing, I'm like, okay. And I go through that whole thing and the fasting and the taking the stuff and hanging on the toilet all night, which was not fun. But, you know, I went in and you know, the expectation is that it goes the way it goes. And um, I come out of the anesthesia and and a, and a GI doc who has a lesson or two to learn about bedside manner, because you could very much tell that, that this is either the first time or one of the very rare times that he had to deliver the bad news. And the bad news was they found a tumor and I had colon cancer and it was of a size that was concerning not just because of the size that it was but because my blood work had been clean as a whistle in august before meaning it got to the size it did in a very short amount of time and uh i'll tell you those first 48 hours were maybe the darkest i've ever had partly because of his bedside manner i'm not gonna mince words but i'm not gonna throw names under the bus but partly because like it's just i'm whatever energy that I give online, whatever energy I give in the classroom, whatever energy that we do in these interviews or at a con or whatever, like I've got a master's degree in pessimism. Like I can, there could be a, you can literally be pouring water into a glass and it is spilling over the top. And I, you give me two minutes and I will convince you it is almost empty. I'm good at it. And so like those first 48 hours as we're waiting for CT results of the whole body scan, has it spread everywhere? What is it? Uh, were, it was rough. And uh, the CT scan suggested, a couple days later, suggested that it was pretty much contained to the colon. Good news. A couple other spots of concern here and there, but they don't think it's cancer. It's something we're monitoring years and years into the future. Um, and then you start the process of, okay, well, if it's contained, that means surgery is at least the first option. And kind of weighing, you know, you do the second opinion thing. You go to this doctor, that doctor, this surgeon, that surgeon, this hospital, that hospital. And um, we had our hearts and minds set on a certain hospital in southeastern Michigan that has a massive good reputation. And yet we went into that meeting and it just went wrong. 
um, it was the vibe was off, which is kind of hard to put your finger on. And then something that the doctor said, and again, I'm not going to name names or anything because I, I respect all these people in the job that they do. But I had a doctor kind of do, you, you, you know, like when somebody can literally like talk out of both sides of their mouth, like like contradict themselves almost within the same sentence. And this doctor said to, to my wife and I, um, you know, uh, doctors, we don't think about cancer in days and weeks. We think about it in months and years, which is apparently true. But at the same time, he said, and yet it's pretty concerning because of how fast it's grown and the size it's got to. Well, which one is it? So we ended up going with our original surgeon, our original hospital, who literally had me under the knife less than a week after my meeting with them and four days after the meeting with the second hospital. And the second hospital was gonna, it was gonna be like three, four weeks later. So I was like in surgery before the end of August. And they cut out 24 centimeters of my sigmoid colon, clean margins, scooped out 27 lymph nodes, sent that off to uh, pathology. And it, it's like, it's, it's it, Every step of the process is, is, is hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait. Good news, bad news, but hurry up and wait. And so we waited for those results and those were clean. It's like, it literally, each step of the way, it's as good as it can be, but then you're waiting because the next thing could be just as bad as the first thing. Um, so everything's clean and, and, and that's all good news. So you, you, you're at this point where you start to go into what we call standard of care, which is, if the results are the results that, that I had, right? I got out of surgery, uh, got out of the hospital. I sat, <laughs> this is embarrassing, and yet I'm so proud of it, I have to tell you. <laughs> I set the, I mean, you don't actually keep a record, but like the nurses all know, I set the floor hospital record for getting discharged the fastest out of any colon cancer patient. I got out in under 48 hours and got sent home. It's supposed to take anywhere four days to two weeks, depending on how lazy you are with the walking and stuff. But I was like, I am going, I'm going to win recovery. So I was like literally a few (laughs) hours after surgery, like up walking around. Well, there's that picture. That's like my, um, my, my, my icon on Instagram right now, which is like me, like flexing with an IV in my arm and the hospital guy, like lumbering down the hallway. Like I was going to win recovery. So, go home, start recovering, and then you go standard of care, which is blood work every three months, CT scan every six months, and a new colonoscopy once a year, okay? And that's good, and that's about as good a news as you can get, and with people with my results, it's like a 90-10 thing. Like, they monitor you for five years, and 90% survival rate, 10%, uh, it comes back regression and probably kills you because when it shows up, it's not necessarily going to show up a place where you can operate. You know, it's going to show up in your kidneys, it's going to show up in your lungs, and that's probably about it. And so, <clears throat> but it's good odds, right? Then I go to see the the um, the oncologist, and he's like, your age, your results, I've got a clinical trial. Let me tell you about it, see if you're interested. And the clinical trial uh, that I entered, uh, they give you this blood test, and the blood test tests for this stuff called ctDNA, which is basically circulating tumor DNA, which is like microscopic pre-cell cancer that's floating through your system. It's the stuff that latches on somewhere and then regenerates and turns into cancer, right? Um, and the blood test is not the clinical trial. The blood test is just science. They know if you've got it or not. And if you've got it, you are 100% guaranteed the, the cancer will come back, okay? So they test for that. And then the experiment is, because there's no science t- 
today that proves that there's a way to kill ctDNA, right? Like chemo does what chemo does to a tumor. Um, radiation does what radiation does to something in your lymph nodes or whatever, right? But there's nothing that's been proven that you can kill it at this level. So that's the trial. If you've got it, you're going to go on like this six-month um, experimental chemo treatment to see if they can knock it out of you before it actually becomes cancer again. And if that trial works out and that science is good, it literally will revolutionize science because suddenly you're testing healthy 25-year-olds, right? And if they've got CT DNA floating around, you're, you come back and you're just like, hey, you're starting chemo next month. They're like, oh my God, do I have cancer? They're like, no, but you're going to. So we're going to kill it before it goes. So that's the trial I entered. And I won the coin flip because it's a 50-50 chance to be in the control group where they test you and they just let you go or the experimental group. So I won that coin flip and I'm an experimental group and they're just testing my blood every three months. And so far I'm CT DNA free, which is like literally the best case scenario of best case scenarios. So what's going on right now is I'm back to standard of care. Um, I've got more blood tests than a normal patient just because I'm still in the clinical trial and you're just testing and testing to make sure that you stay CT DNA free. And literally what I've got to complain about right now is just like weird post-surgery stuff. But the big ball of death inside of me is no longer there. That's gone. And the monitoring is all that's left. And now it's just like, you know, is this is this a surgery? Is this I'm just now an old man and I'm falling apart anyway? And like, you know, like I got to pee more often, you know, like stuff that it, it I don't like to talk about the way I really openly talk about the cancer journey on IG because it just sounds like whining to me. Like, okay, so I got to get up and pee in the middle of the night a couple more times. You know what? Okay, that was going to happen in 10 years, 15 years anyway. <laughs> get over it. Prostate as big as a house, I'll be fine. You know? So a crazy journey. And then, like, professionally, like I said, it just derailed the order of <laughs> when books are going to come out, when I'm doing the things. But, again, small, small time compared to, you know, one minute I'm sitting there going, so when I'm gone in a few months, what are we going to do to – uh, as positive an outlook as you can have. Hmm. Interesting, man, man. I'm so glad that you, you know, for now you're good and that they're keeping a, they're keeping a close, close eye on you. It's funny that you said that. I don't know exactly, um, if it's what there's a, some rapper actually, he's like from the Bay area, but he's actually really well known now kind of around, um, the nation and whatever but um he actually had colon cancer as well i think he's 39 or 40 he's only like a year or two older than me and he said that there was some type of like testing that they can do on younger people to but he said like something about the test was like too expensive that he was going to try to work with like i don't know some type of media and doctors to try to like get it out there and try to promote you know this blood work or whatever test that they do to be able to prevent colon cancer in early, early stages. Because um, with you sharing that, it sounds kind of almost like the same thing that he was talking about, but he said that the test or the blood work is like a thousand, thousand something dollars and that most people just won't go and pay a thousand dollars for this blood work. So it's, you know, especially people in like underprivileged communities and, and whatnot, that's what he wants to spread awareness to so people can get this test you know, that's so expensive, but yeah. so beneficial. So it's probably yeah, the same thing. 
same thing. And then the reason why I could afford it, even with insurance, is because I was part of the clinical trial, you know. Um, but like 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 you saw in that run of posts that I did, it's it's. Do you remember? Do you remember? I, I feel like I, I said this on the show before, like the, the, the thing that I was probably most proud of in the parallel process first time around was like when somebody who read it connected with like the mental health portion. And it was like, oh, I read this. I related. I'm going to go talk to somebody because I didn't feel as alone like that. That was like that was worth. I would trade a million sales for that one person who, who made that connection. And with this journey and the feedback that I got online, it was, there was nothing more gratifying, nothing more heartwarming than the person who reached out to DM. It's a public comment that was like, I'm get, I'm, I'm going to get scanned next week. Like I said, I'm going next month. I, I made my appointment. My dad's been pushing it off. I'm sending him that kind of thing because I, no joke, no hyperbole, forget, forget I wouldn't have made it to 50. That's a foregone conclusion. I would not have made it to 50. That, oh, I didn't tell you. I mean, the tumor, when they took it out, had eaten through three of the four colon walls. It was literally, what, a day, a week, five seconds away from breaking through that last wall. You know, cancer doesn't keep time the way that one doctor suggested it does. Um, and then it would have been out in the open, and it's a whole different ballgame, right? It's, it's, it's automatically stage four at that point, and it could be anywhere and everywhere. Forget making it to 50. That wasn't going to happen. I don't know that I would have made it to 46. So like uh, the routine scan. Remember, I was asymptomatic. I didn't go because I was like, you know, I, I'm bleeding or something like that. I went because my doctor said, hey, go. You're 45. It's the only reason I went, the only reason they caught it when they did. So like my message for the last couple of months is just like, like, don't put off your doctor's appointment. It's something that I've like traditionally done personally in my life. Like I, I love not going to the doctor. <laughs> I'm good at that too. I'm like, ah, it'll be, it'll be fine. Hey, your legs falling off. It'll be fine tomorrow. It'll be, I'll sleep <laughs> it off. It'll be fine. Don't get your mom there. Get your dad there. Get your loved ones there, and you go yourself. Whatever the checkup is. I'm not just talking about getting your colonoscopy. They'll do that too. I'm not just talking about that scan. Go get checked. They're the professionals. They'll let you know. It's better I mean, than. I mean, that's absolutely insane because, because I'm thinking throughout this whole journey and like you said, you were asymptomatic. You just went because the law had changed and they're gonna go ahead yeah. and recommend it. Like, oh yeah, sure. And, like, and, and it could have been like the day of the week. Like, oh, I got a free day on this day, whatever. Or, you know, so you go there, and something like that. If you don't pray to anything or anyone, that that'll make you question or you know start to believe in something. Because holy crap, that's so what you- timing. That's amazing. I mean, you, can, you, you can pretty much say that one time the law saved your life. Oh, yeah, for sure. There you 100%. go. <laughs> yep. I have a, I mean, the law saved my life, too, when I had a, you know, I, w- I was in a crazy car accident. If I wasn't wearing my seatbelt, which is the law in California, I'm sure the United States, right? It's just, uh, man, I probably could have been a goner as well. So, man, laws, I guess, can save lives at times. So. A lot of laws, but man, that's crazy, dude. The law had just changed. You had just turned, and man, the age. It's that's it, a that's the, miracle. The stack of the stack of serendipity is is pretty mind bending for sure. Right. So you I mean, had so you had your new Kickstarter project already, you know, 
in the works and whatnot. Yeah, and I mean, just the, hit the, plan, you. the plan was August. The plan was August. I like, like at latest. I mean, we were in the early stages, so like I could have seen a half August, half September. I would have seen a full September at the latest. But it was, yeah, that was the time. It was, it was to do. First run of parallel is done. Jane American Kickstarter uh, parallel special edition. After that, Jane American gets it filled out there, and then we start working on the next version, the bigger version of it, and stuff like that. Which kind of made sense with the back and forth of it. But you know, hey, life happens, right? In this case, yeah. a little life saving happened, and we're doing it in this order instead. Nice. So for for Jane America, I know it's online. But, you know, sometime hopefully soon we get an imprint version and yeah. not Kickstarter, right? Uh, and Special Edition Parallel. Do you have any plans like the next six months or at least in 2023 to go to any cons, at least not just in your area, yeah. but back to Baltimore, even, maybe even West Coast, anything? <laughs> Listen, it it became very – because that was like late in the process, right? Like I was supposed to – I mean May, June – April, May, June, July, August of 2020 was supposed to be that – thing right like it hits stores i've got all these signings booked i'm going to do all these conventions and go all these places and that just didn't happen so like the convention and the public appearance part of it didn't happen until like almost you know 18 months later and um it ended up being like you know that delayed gratification ended up being wonderful because it ended up being maybe my favorite part like the being at the con and spending those three days, I don't care how bad my back hurt at the end of those three days. It was this. I loved it. And honestly, it's what it's what I've been jonesing for. It's what I've been missing. So like the 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 con the uh my, my plan is, my hope is I'm booking um I'm booking some signings. Like I've got some I've got a place where I'm gonna be uh uh for a free comic book day and I've got a couple others that are kind of tentatively scheduled right now. So those are gonna happen and then my hope is that I get to go to as many source point conventions as possible um and and spread out as far as I can. Um nothing's quite locked down yet because schedules are still being set, but that's my hope and my 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 want because oh I love it. I love the interaction. I love signing books. I love pitching the book even. Um right. I have listen it was, I don't think I got to tell you guys this the last time I was on, but like it caught me off guard. The, 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 tra- the perfect translation from a, a middle school classroom to the cons blew my mind because the repetition, right? The same lesson, like five, six times a day, like hitting the same joke for the same hour. And it sounds like the first time, fifth hours it does first hour. Um, that, that it's perfect it's perfect because you're like you're doing that same pitch like a couple hundred times over the weekend but you got to make <laughs> it sound like they're the first ones hearing it right and uh, it doesn't matter if you're having a bad day give them the best experience they can because that might be the only interaction they ever have with you and um I, like I, I loved it it was fu- it's, it's fun like I, I i i got a lot of energy there and um i'm exhausted when i get home but uh yeah yeah yeah. i can't wait to get back out there for sure (laughs) it's like (laughs) i'm sure you had like a raspy voice and your jaw hurt from having to smile so so often you know (laughs) it's like a celebrity or an athlete right it's like they could be nice a hundred times but the one time you know someone's cell phone camera catches them being a punk to a little kid because they were (laughs) because life was happening to them that day it's like it's the end of the world now well that's the so so i can't like i came to my decision about who i was going to be on that side of the table through through two things and one is very much the classroom right like if you're doing your job right it could be a kid that you literally can't stand. They should never be able to tell. 
right? Um, it, it, you could be having the worst day. They should never know. Um, so there's that aspect to it. And that, that combined with the fact that, like I've mentioned you before, like I've been a fan many decades longer than I've been a creator. So like I went to my fair share of cons and met my fair share of heroes. Never meet your heroes unless your heroes are great to meet, right? That whole thing. And like every single interaction I had with a creator before I was one myself, I clocked all that. I stored all of that. The good ones, the bad ones, the, the stuff that was like, oh my God, you, there is no reason other than you're a good human being that you're giving me this much time, this much attention, signing this many of my my dumb books or whatever it is. Or the next person who's like, you know, I financially supported you and you're kind of not being nice right now. And and I get that there's a long line and I get that a lot of these people are weirdos. And I get that it's like a, a brain suck on you. But like, I just was like, I just wanted to tell you how cool you are and, you know, sign a couple of books. And it's like, there's no reason to treat anybody who's there to support you um, anything less than respect them as a human being at, at bare minimum. So that's, a, that's something I kind of took from my own interactions and then from how I know to behave in the classroom and interact with kids. And I just took that there and, and it's kind of like my, my mantra every time I'm out there in public, every nice. time. You're not you're not one of those teachers that have um, been getting in those fist fights with these kids lately. Oh, You've been God. saying to these I kids have, are crazy have, these days. I have, um, unfortunate to say i have broken up one or two fights over the last 23 years but i know i've never i've never been in one myself <laughs> then you've you've only actually had to, what grade are you teaching eighth grade right now and you've only had to break up two fights in all those oh, years no, those are both, dude those are both at elementary school level i've never had to break up a middle school fight wow. i don't know wow in the middle i'd probably get my my clock clean just by getting in the middle of it i don't think i would, right. I would touch that oh no i had to break up a couple of elementary school fights back in the day though <laughs> wow mark i remember going back to the, me and me and mark went in the same junior high same high school I, man we had a fight like every week at least <laughs> yeah but it's not always in the same classroom <laughs> well that's true or yeah that's true or even same area of like you know the quad or the whatever by the gym or whatever yeah. um jason like so moving forward so so you know kind of well, how do I? That's uh, a simple question. Like, what are you reading nowadays? Like, what are you watching nowadays? Like, any kind of streaming shows, movies? Like, what are you reading? Uh, you know, because you posted something about Mike Nola. You've been reading a lot of him. Um, but and, and then also anything new. So kind of just get into something. You know, stuff that you've been doing nowadays in the world of nerdum. Okay, so um, I watched uh, I watched Sandman with my youngest, and she oh, loved. Cool. And like Neil's my hero. So like that, I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, I thought I thought Andor was like the best Star Wars related content in I don't maybe since I was a child. Wow. Uh, like literally just a brilliant piece of, of, of television out there. Um, That's the only one I haven't seen yet. I'm all caught up on like, you know, Mandalorian season one, two and then Boba Fett. But I Andor haven't touched it yet. It's look, th there's. You run the risk of watching Andor. Like if you, if you're if you're a movie and a content snob with any percentage degree at all, there's a chance that you watch Andor and go, "Am I overrating this because there's a lot of mediocrity in the Star Wars expanded universe right now?" You know, or or is this that good? And my belief is it's that good. I mean, it's literally so well written. There isn't a 
bad acting move in it. It's, you know, I mean, it's Tony Gilroy. You're, it's like watching Michael Clayton, but in Star Wars. It's, it's right. unbelievably put together. It is so, so good. There's points where you're just going, I can't believe this is happening in my favorite universe. Like Star Wars, like as much as I love it, as much as it was my life from three years old, it's like, I don't know that Star Wars deserves something of this high of quality. <laughs> like, like I don't know how we go forward now. Um, I, so I, I kind of felt love that. Right. I kind of felt similar with Rogue One. Like, is it because well, other things are so mediocre? But no, I, I, I can watch that thing 20, 30, 40 times. And I, I don't know if everybody else out there in the in the, you know, Twitter verse and IG verse or whatever agree with me. But that is arguably the best thing that I've seen since ep- the start of this new era, episode seven right. and on. So that's that's Tony Gilroy coming in and mopping up a mess. Right. right. That what you like about Rogue One is mostly. Tony Gilroy using his skills as a as a writer, as a director, as a as a you know um, shepherd of content with pieces that were already there and turning it into what it turned into. Right. You extrapolate that into now he's had a few years to put it together and that's what this is what it then becomes and it's just mind blowing in my opinion. I, I awesome. love love it love it. So so I really love those. Uh, my middle daughter is avatar crazy right now. So I've actually, I don't know how, cause like sometimes I can't find enough time at night to read a 22 page floppy. And yet somehow in one week, I got her to the theater twice to see a three and a quarter hour movie. Wow. <laughs> that's crazy. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so That's been pumping into my brain lately. And then as far as reading goes, you know what I just read? Oh, world's colliding. So. Um, big collected volume of The Killer came out a couple months ago, and I just read it. So there's a David Fincher movie coming out on Netflix this year, which is based on this big this this French comic, and that was pretty cool. And nice. I'm always I'm always going to give a shout out because I think maybe my favorite thing over the last couple of years, um, just because they're such a dynamic duo together as a creative team, and everything they do is so good. And he is one of my inspirations for creating the back matter and the extra content that I did in parallel. Um, it's uh, Brubaker and Phillips uh, Reckless series that comes out like once a quarter or whatever. And he does that, the, the original graphic novels. Right. I wait with bated breath for every single one of those. And I do this thing that I sometimes do with my favorite series that have any kind of you know overlap from the previous volume is and this is not very time efficient, but I love doing it anyway. So if like you're on volume three or four, before I read volume four, I go back and reread one, two, and three again, and then it's all stringing together, which is oh, just wow. yeah, it's a, co- a complete time suck, but I love it. And they are so good together, and it is like it's probably my favorite thing that's come out over the last couple of years. And I just wait for wait with bated breath every like four months, every quarter for them to put out a new reckless book. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we consume so much for the show, you know. C- partly because we're so fortunate to have the sponsor that we do in Treasure Island. Yeah. But, I mean, the more we do, like, the more especially diverse of what I read than from what Mark reads and what Sean reads, it's like that's just the more content that we want to put out for the fans, right? So, yeah. I mean, there's – and it's unfortunate because we read a lot of good things, 
but I'm going to go back in a couple years and realize that, you know what, I should have slowed down and appreciated this, this, and this more because like right now there's only a handful of things that I can truly, truly say that I really, really like right now. Like these, yeah. uh, these Batman one bad days, these one shots of all of his, the, his, his rogues, of, uh, you know, the rogue gallery of villains. It's either one whole big story or a couple short stories, you know, mixed in between, but like, man, Everything from Batman to Spider-Man to Daredevil to all these small publishers from a Blaze Comics over to SourcePoint to AWA to Aftershock, Image, and and, and everything. Man, we consume so much, and um, and it's super appreciative. But I I feel that when you know, if and when in the next 10, 20, 50 years that we're done with this podcast, man, I'm gonna concentrate on just like one at a time. One at a time. It's, it's it's like a it's a pretty when you think about it and try not to think about it too much you probably get depressed. It's like a pretty sick irony with the fact that more content comes out as time goes forward. You have less time because you're getting older, and yeah, and, and it just kind of like because because I I want part of my experience to be. Not only do I want to experience new stuff, not only do I want to see the next thing that comes out that I don't know about, the next thing that I that comes out from somebody that I do know about, but I really, really enjoy going back and revisiting my favorite things. And it's like it's like it's it's uh, uh, um, content grows exponentially as your time shrinks going forward. And it's like it, it becomes frustrating, like my reading stack doesn't get smaller. It just gets bigger. and you know, I, I'm, you know, hey, cancer isn't coming for me today. And and I, I've kind of stepped away from the mortality walking the razor's edge. Like, like I, I can I can I can pretend that death isn't looming on my shoulder right now for a little while. But like my time isn't infinite and right. I want to go back and reread all of it again at some point. But I'm not going to do that and completely sacrifice new things coming out at the same time. So it's kind of like that catch 22 of like, oh, my God so right. much and i'm not complaining about that because that's always a good thing but at the same time so much yep we get so much stuff coming out right now it's just all these events lazarus planet now that mike's on i told him like i'm kind of kind of have to skip on this event now <laughs> that dc's got going on but dude you're so right like we've been doing this podcast for almost four years or year, almost four years 2019 and dude i was in storage the other day and it's like what like eight boxes now obviously not the long ones but the shorter ones and it's just a man like thank you treasure island like mike said our sponsor but I, i'm just like we've been collecting them and i can't believe right. in four years i've racked up that many comics it's pretty crazy well, I'm, and i'm still doing my own thing which i've done since i was a little kid in my first run of comics which is like i'm still 50 50 i'm still half collector and half reader so i'm not only just like getting right. the trade or the new floppy of whoever i'm following or whatever i'm following I'm still hunting down those runs that I want to complete or that run a, you know, Magnola covers that I love you, whatever it is. So at the same time, like, it's just, yeah, my long boxes are, um, yeah, they're silly right now. Right. <laughs> and it, I look at it and go, <laughs> right. And then I, and then I go into the garage and I see, <clears throat> I've gone into the vicious cycle of getting the, the, the same stack that I'm getting. Right. But now, over the last, I want to say 12 to 18 months when I randomly go in, because I, I live about an hour away from Treasure Island now, but when I go in, like every other time, I have the first uh, 
volume of The Boys. Still haven't read. I have Kingdom Come, the first volume of Brian Michael Bendis's Moon Knight. I have um, the last Halloween and then the books that followed, like the three or four books that followed, like the collected uh-huh. editions. I have all that to read. And also I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to sit down and read the boys tonight. I'm like, oh, wait, never mind. I have nine books to read in the next one or two nights to get ready for the podcast because I, you know, I want to do that. Uh-huh. So, I mean, it's a vicious cycle, but I mean, I want you to get boys though i want you to get to the boys though it's really good i know i know i know and oh, you know what you, oh, you know what i, I get it's not a bad problem to have though like i sound like i'm complaining but it's like i love i, I just love reading reading right yeah. you know that's the it. that's the cool thing about doing the podcast though it kind of keeps us in check and in line with having to keep up with our reading so our stacks don't get you know like you know five stacks of flapjacks tall or whatnot, you know, <laughs> by the way, I've never heard that before. And you've had me grinning ever since you said it. Cause I thought it was hilarious. A 22 page floppy. That's what we're calling them now. <laughs> yep. We might have to call the episode the 22 page floppy. That was great. So how, yeah. Yeah. I've how never have you heard that. Mike? Week, Mark? No. How many floppies did you get this week, Mark? I'm getting like <laughs> nine floppies this week. <laughs> have you heard that before, Mike? The 22 page floppy, dude. I was I was cracking up inside when you said it. It was hilarious. So let's collide the worlds of sports and comics yet again. It's one sport that we always have to talk about. Let's get in a little bit of hoops before we say goodbye to you tonight. So right. how do you like the season going so far? We're almost at the All Star break, you know. A little past halfway, right before the All Star break. Tra- uh, uh, trade deadline is uh, what a week and a half away or whatever it is. It's under two weeks for sure. Um, our beloved Dubs just got a victory tonight. Um, I was thinking about so I was thinking about the season, this season in particular before before we we got on, and like I've heard a little rumbling here and there. Eighth graders have said this to me actually that like this season isn't that great, and I beg to differ. I think. The parity in the league right now is oh, it's great. spread out as it's it's been in a long, long time. I agree. I mean, the disadvantage of that is, like, if things continue the way they are right now, we're not going to have a 65-win team for a while. And that and that's whatever it is. But it's also, like, so wide open. Like, the West is a mess. It's a beautiful <laughs> mess. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to get the numbers right, but like the difference between like fourth and 12th is like a game and a half or something insane like that. It's like insane. And um, there's just so many, like there is almost no team in the league except for maybe my Pistons right now. There's almost no team in the league that doesn't have a couple of like legit, really good players. And the thing is when you have 30 teams or 29 that can claim that, None of them are going to be ginormous. Nobody's nobody's getting, you know, 70 games. Nobody's getting 70 wins because there's so many good players, right? I mean, like, look, look at OKC right now. Look at OKC, a team that preseason, everybody was like, well, it's another, it's another tanking year. They're literally, you know, hanging out around 500 and knocking on the play-in door, right? Because right. Shea is next level. And they don't even have they don't even have their their number their well no their their top pick from last year like dude's still out. Um, it's just it's been crazy and I've actually loved every minute of it. I mean the the wide open MVP race this year is wonderful. 
Like it's like turning on a dime game to game, right? Like, 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 uh, Jokic is going to do the Larry Bird thing for the last two months. He's going to get three in a row. And then Embiid makes him look like an amateur the other night. And suddenly it's Embiid's, you know, it's, it's, it's great. I absolutely love it. My, oh, oh, so my almost 17 year old wanted, he made me promise that I would, I would throw out a couple of his hot takes (laughs) to, to the boys. Here he's like, go. wait, wait a minute. You get to talk NBA on this show. I'm like, he's like, can I, can I, can I pass on a message? So, so he in 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 um descending, no, in, in uh crescendo Us. order of importance of hot takes. Okay, Christian. he believes that the Joker is going to get his third MVP in a row. Got to write okay? these down, Mark. Got to write them down. That's that's you know that's that's not consensus, but it's there. <laughs> he believes, and this one affects my fandom and your guys' hometown fandom, he believes that the Dubs are absolutely um, going to make a trade, going to make a move, okay. probably for Caruso. He thinks Moody and one other player for Caruso. He's thinking, uh, who did he think? He thought... DiVincenzo and I think they're going to hang on to him, but he he's predicting the Dubs are going to finish fifth. Okay. Okay. And then here's his big hot take. This is going to ruffle some feathers. I hope nobody in Milwaukee is listening. Uh, he's predicting a Bucks loss in the first round. Ooh. I know. I know. Okay. Okay. This is from a 16, almost 17 year old NBA fan. Okay who has not had a lot of Pistons to cheer for. So he's deep in, he's deep in the Warriors with you and me and everybody right. else and uh, deep in the league in general because he hasn't had a lot to cheer for here at home in, in, since in, his, in his youth. See, you know, like for someone like me over the past couple of years, especially doing this podcast, you know, our season preview every year is, all right, let's go to the Vegas odds. Who's the top three, four, five uh, preseason Vegas odds? You don't even have to include the other 25 teams. One of those yep. five teams is going to make it. There's zero parity, blah, 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 blah. So this season, you know what? I'm actually liking this. I'm like, what? The Sacramento Kings are, are are in third place right now in the West. And then Sean says, you know, the Kings are going to are the Kings are going to Kings, though. They might even finish eighth place or even out of the playoffs, you know? So it's so much, you know, up in the air. But randomly, I, I find I, myself tuning oh, into TNT okay. for a random game. So it's actually but, but like, uh, a breath like, of fresh air. I don't know. I mean – don't the Kings feel a little different this year? I know the King, the Kings, Kings, the Kings do, they do their little hopeful streak at one point in the season, the last like eight seasons. And then it becomes the Kings again. The right. Kings. Yeah. They're, like Sacramento is only, Sacramento is only an hour away from my house. So I have to be careful with what I say. This feels <laughs> different to me. It okay. legit feels different to me. I'm not, this is not a finals team, but I, it's, it is a real team for the first time in a long long time like light the beam is real okay light the beam is real they're lighting the beam every win at home i i think this is a real thing and something to build on okay yeah mark what do you think of the nba season so far i mean we just talked about it, i think last week i mean you know i think it's more enjoyable than than the last couple I, even I with the warriors just, I was playing just, as well I, as they used to i was actually just looking up odds right now to try to uh put together what if um if his 16, almost 17 year old uh, NBA fan son was looking at some of the Vegas odds here because it's kind of chalky with no, it looks like right now it's, you know, it's kind of between uh, that boy Luca, that boy Jokic, and, you know, Embiid's kind of up there, Tatum as well. But um, 
man, I mean, I'm, I'd be looking, he's looking like a, not a bad bet for your son. I mean, dude, the yeah. Joker, if he can do it, I know Curry won his two in a row. Obviously, that second one was unanimous. But, I mean, if Jokic can go ahead and do three, you know, here is pretty an amazing feat. Which um, is Larry Bird in the 80s. Dude, I mean, and just the type of player that he is and his background and how he came up and how he was just a chubby little kid. And I mean, the dude's got vision. And that's the thing about some of these international players. I don't know if you've seen the kid that's supposed to be like the number one pick in the draft. I think he's like a seven foot one. Have you seen him? What's his name? Oh, oh I can't. Uh, Wimbyama is. Yes, the French kid. Uh, seven foot three, almost like moves like a point guard. Uh, uh, like a seven uh, foot three Kevin Durant. Yeah, he's um. Let's just wow. call it right now. He's he's coming to Detroit and uh, <laughs> turn around and some of the be off Cade and his his dumb out for the season shin and um. Yeah, it's gonna be great having a seven. Uh, foot three point guard on my team i'm absolutely very excited about that absolutely happening even though our odds are 14.3 percent I, I think that's as close to a guaranteed um uh number one pick uh twice in three years i think it's going to happen there you go well we're going to go ahead and take care of your son's picks we're going to go ahead and keep them keep them in our back pocket and we'll go ahead and unveil the results as the nba season unfolds but awesome. i mean i mean um you know super bowl you know, the, the NFC and AFC championship games were yesterday. Uh, didn't go as well for our hometown team, 49ers. Not our team for myself and Mark, um, you know, but for Sean, who's not here. Um, yeah, not a good Sunday. He, I, I texted him. I was like, hey, sorry, buddy. He goes, oh, wait, there was a game today? Oh, I didn't realize that <laughs> because, it, you know, after, after Purdy, you know, th- we didn't know it then, but he tore his UCL, so he's going to need some type of like a Tommy John surgery now that a starting pitcher would in the MLB. Um, yeah, it didn't look good for them. They had Josh Johnson to count on, then he goes down as well, and they had to put in Christian McCaffrey, so it was uh, – they, they needed damn near a miracle. But um, and then, and then, of course, you know, all I hear today are the refs, you know, you know, of, of course, the NFL is not the genre isn't a sport. It's entertainment. So, of course, they scripted the Chiefs to get make it to the Super Bowl again. So, you know, I don't know. So we'll see what happens. I mean, uh, we have our Super Bowl preview show probably next week. Mark is going down to L.A. for the uh, the preseason NASCAR race. They they take the L.A. Coliseum and they make it like a. What is it, Mark? Like a three-quarter mile track, a two-thirds mile track. It's very, very short. Only half the cars drive in it. But let's see. Uh, let's see his 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 driver, Joy Logano, in the 22 uh, Ford Pennzoil. Let's uh, his Ford Mustang. Let's see if he can repeat in 2023 because he was the 2022 champion uh, 22 earlier. 22 and 22. 22 and 22. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, other than that, I got nothing else. Jason Douglas, again, for the fourth time coming on this show, um, please just go. We will let you. Yeah, we're the this, this is the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Right. <laughs> so go ahead and shout everything out, you know, get everything out. So hopefully everyone who's listening to this whole episode can hear it one more time and go order your books, support your, the, the, you know, the Kickstarter and whatnot. And also, you know, give us your handle so people can go and um, and follow you. Absolutely. Follow your journey. So- so uh, FOC for Parallel Special Edition, uh, final order cutoff is February 20th, so we still got a little bit of time. Um, hit your LCS up, walk into your comic shop old school, and use the diamond order code. 
1872. So January 23, 1872, that'll get you the book. It's also, I mean, it's in previews, you know, this month. I mean, check this out, guys. I don't know if you saw this, but they gave me a full page spread. Beautiful. I did. I I remember. Full page. I was so honored when I was like that big of a blurb a couple of years ago. Look at this. This is a full page. Um, so you can show them that. You can say Source Point Press. You can call it the name Sp- Parallel Special Edition. But the Diamond Order Code will get it. Um, they've got their Lunar Code too. You can get it there. You can actually get it straight off of uh, 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 previewsworld.com and enter your LCS, and they'll ship it to your LCS. But you're ordering it through them if you can't get into your shop. Um, you can get it from sourcepointpress.com as well, and they'll ship it to you. And then check out this. Let's, t- let's talk about big time. Uh, you can get my book on Amazon.com. You can get my book on BarnesandNoble.com. You do go right. to get links wow. to your local bookshop. Um, so you can get it anywhere and get it sent to you. Um, this yeah. is me. This is me, Mark and Sean, uh, texting about you. This is from yeah. our text thread. So we're uh, definitely shouting you. You know, talking about you. When I was going through, when I was going through uh, previews and I seen it, I was like, wow. I'm like, I sent him the text. I was like, <laughs> dude, this dude's got a. I was like, what? Dude, me too. Like it, I opened it up and I didn't know that was coming. I was like eating an LCS and I opened it up and I was like, I may have dropped an explicit or two in front of like customers. Like, whoa, because I did not see that coming either. So that was a that was quite a surprise and quite an honor. So yeah, there's there's about a you can find about a hundred different ways to order at this time, which is kind of amazing. And then um, you know, once it's in shops uh, March 29th, uh, hopefully I'll be on the road and and coming somewhere near you so I can sign your books. And at a convention or a signing and just uh, follow me on Instagram and you can find out when all that's happening. And it's a pretty simple handle and you can't miss me. It's just at J Douglas Wrights, just the letter J. So at J Douglas Wrights and hit me up there. Give me a follow and uh, get updated on the cancer stuff. Get updated on when the Kickstarter starts and where I'm going to be. And uh, definitely drop me a DM. I will talk your ear off just like we talk each other's ear off here. Uh, no big time and good, fancy creator for me. I'll talk to you to the point where you need to go and you're like done talking with me. So <laughs> follow, yeah, give me a follow there. I'd really appreciate it. And support indie comics. You know, if parallel is the way you're going to do it, but your dollar goes so far with indie comics. Um, you know, it literally puts uh food on the table, clothes on the back, and keep small companies uh, running that really their only point is to get good content out for you and enjoyable stories. So, yeah, absolutely. And then the Kickstarter's coming to May, and I need everybody's help. And, uh, and yeah, that, that's about it. But uh, I appreciate the time, gentlemen. Yes. Appreciate or You know I love you. And, uh, and go Warriors. Yes, sir. All right, Mark, send us away for 176. Yeah, definitely, man. Go Warriors and good luck to your Pistons. You know, the Warriors were there one time in my life as well. Just horrible, horrible, horrible. And, uh, you know, there's better times on the horizon as well, especially with you and your life, brother. Great to hear that you have battled this cancer and that right now you're good and hopefully everything is good going forward, brother. Praying for you. So, Man, I'm just so glad that you're here to deliver, you know, your content, your vision with us, with the world, through your books, through your writing and through your words here, man. I couldn't appreciate it more. We thank you again, fans. We hope that you enjoy Jason Douglas for the fourth time and his stories. And uh, 
all of his uh, new stuff coming out. Make sure you check out his Kickstarter. Make sure you check us out on social media. As always, the comic bookies at gmail.com if you want to send us an email. And yeah, man, just stay tuned. Uh, we got better stuff coming out always and forever. And uh, we thank you guys. So yeah, thank you, man. 176. Appreciate everything. Yep. So thank you, Treasure Island Comics. Thank you, Mark. Uh, Sean's not here, but he'll be back next week. Thank you, Jason Douglas. We love you for the fourth time and, and on to the fifth, sixth, and twentieth time to be on this show. Uh, but everyone, enjoy the sports, enjoy the comics, and enjoy the hell out of each other. See you on 177. Bye. Peace. And always enjoy each other. And make sure you enjoy Jason Douglas's new Kickstarter coming out in May. Check it out. Peace. We love y'all.